On Education's FETC 2020 coverage is sponsored by Fidgets. Fidgets are interactive USB sensors that bring your code to life. There's no soldering or wiring required. Simply plug in a fidget sensor, write code in your favorite language, and watch your ideas come alive. Fidgets are used by thousands of STEM professionals globally and are now available for computer science students. Simply go to Bitly Fidgets on Education to get your introductory kit that includes a free sensor worth over $50. That's Bitly Fidgets on Education. So you're busy all the time. Mm -hmm. It's wild. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. We are pumped, thrilled, jazzed, I don't know, other words to say about being joined by Monica Burns. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So exciting to be here live in person. Mm -hmm. Yes. FETC, beautiful Miami weather. Oh, and Monica Burns sitting with us. <laughs> How's the show yes. going? It's been wonderful. It's just awesome. been a really fun couple days, connecting with people, meeting new people and seeing lots of familiar faces. So a really fun week. So you're busy. Mm -hmm. What do you mean up to? Tell us about your sessions. Tell yeah. us all about the sessions, please. So on Tuesday, I had two workshops. One was just me doing some spark activities. So um, start to finish activities that could be used across the content areas. So that was really fun. Hands-on stuff. I love. And then the afternoon was a panel. So I was with um, some other educator friends talking about copyright and creativity, which was great. Lots of movement and people trying things out and talking through case studies. So that was really fun. And then on Wednesday, I had an opportunity to help kick off the conference as part of the educator track orientation. So meeting with those who were totally new to FETC and wanted some tips and strategies. And then I had an afternoon session on reading instruction. And then today I had three small sessions, you know, short on time on virtual reality in the classroom. So mostly easier entry things you could do for free with or without a headset, one on school storytelling, showcasing mm. some of the Spark tools, so how to tell your school story strategically. And then I also did a session on formative assessment, so oh checking goodness. for understanding. That's Real such fun a, stuff, yeah. Such a wide variety of <laughs> topics. I mean, mm -hmm. as far as to be an expert at, maybe some educators out there have not used Adobe Spark, mm -hmm. right? And I mean, they maybe have heard of it or whatever it might be. It is a free tool, right? Mm -hmm. Could you tell us more about it and why someone might want to go ahead and, and uh, try it out? Absolutely. So I love the Spark tools. I came across them in their earlier iterations because they were free. They worked on all the different devices. I've also done some work with their team, which has been really fun as well. And so I love them because you can do all sorts of things. It's not a public service announcement making tool or a, a newsletter making tool, right? It's open-ended creation tools that you can use in lots of different ways, which is always what I'm on the hunt for. Something that's free or free to get started, something you can use on multiple devices and something that's not trapped to just one content area or grade level, but you can really use in a choose-your-own-adventure sort of way. So we happen to have copies of this amazing book here, 40 Ways to Inject Creativity into Your Classroom Using Adobe Spark. Mm -hmm. Books like this, as an instructional coach or tech integrationist out there, are really key to basically making that connection between a tool that we just finished describing kind of the power of it but then actually showing some ways to be able to implement it as far as in the class can you describe kind of 
the book itself and, and some of the lessons that you share? Yeah. So I often talk to in schools, you know, visiting schools or at district events or big events like these ones mm-hmm. about the power of creativity and creation in the classroom. But what does that look like? Right. Mm-hmm. How can I do this? And is there a tool that can help me make this happen? Because we need to have tools in our tool belt to put this into action. And so this particular book has all sorts of activity ideas that really take you step by step through what it would look like to prepare for this activity, to implement this activity and to even extend it, maybe bringing in another favorite tool as well, or pushing it to a particular audience you might not have thought of before. So we do make some kind of general standards connections. So saying this is how you might use this in an ELA focus or when you're thinking about speaking and listening in the math classroom. So a little bit more general there so you can tailor it to whatever standards uh, you're focused on. And same thing with grade level bands. We give some recommendations, but we also start off saying how you can scale this, right? In different directions, depending on your level of expectations, the same rubric you've always used when talking about right having students give a summary of a book or writing a persuasive piece right here's just a way for them to share what they've learned that's more creative that gives students more access to this as a resource to share what they've learned and hopefully gets them excited to have an audience to share to and a tool like this is so underrated in in um in the sense that so i i spend a lot of time talking about get allowing kids the opportunity to share what they've learned in lots of different ways. Spark is an awesome tool for just giving kids the, like an open opportunity to like inject, you know, their style. Talk about how, how that happens. Like how does that happen? And what does that look like when you're giving kids a tool like this to, to, to demonstrate what they've learned? I love how you mentioned that idea of their style, right? Their brand might not be a term that they use or we even use, but that's what it is, right? It's their energy that comes through, their style that comes through, and whether, you know, students are consuming lots of content or just a little bit of content, right? They know that someone's YouTube channel feels a certain way, that that TikTok star that they love is making videos that have a certain kind of bend or style to them. So it's something where... They know this as a consumer, and so as a creator, they can take that on as well. So it's really something where they can choose the themes, they can decide what kind of music they want to have consistently on the content that they are producing, right, essentially. Sure, yeah. And maybe they've chosen music that goes a little bit better with the type of book that they're making a book trailer of, or that's more compelling for their science lab report or whatever it might be. If they're making a movie, they're still taking their own kind of view of the world, putting it into this product, and they can keep their audience in mind at the same time. And then it's the pathway to other tools. Like it's the pathway to mm-hmm. like if 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 the video stuff is what you're focused on, you can get into like Flipgrid and even like literal like YouTubing and doing mm-hmm. doing video and streaming. And if 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 then you decide that you know the audio is really what you're into, you can get into podcasting. Mm-hmm. It leads the pathways that this takes you to are, are pretty endless too, right? Yeah, and so what I really like about these tools specifically is that it's easy entry point. Yeah. So I was actually talking to some educators in Maine, and maybe it was a year or two ago, and one of them was teaching a kind of very intense level of movie editing, right, in their class. And she uh. said, two of my kids cannot handle Final Cut Pro 
yet, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. This is going to be their way to prepare for sure, this experience because yeah. I'm not so worried about the editing and the buttons and all of that just yet. I want the content to be front and center and this is going to help place that there while still having conversations on what kind of colors, what kind of font, what kind of transitions will I need if I'm thinking of a movie or for a graphic, what kind of color palette is going to take sure. that tone and translate it to someone who's going to know that without even reading the details, they get a sense of the energy right away. There's something to be said about being able to use a tool like this, though, as far as time factors, because Mm -hmm. we have a limited amount of time with our students. We want them to be able to create, but we don't want the learning of the specific tool to take over the time. Now, like, for example, in Mike's class, he taught uh, computer science, those types of things, or in teaching specific skills about Photoshop or whatever it might be, where you're going to spend a like a Mm -hmm. good amount of time using that. But something like this, anybody can then use it in their classes and then be able to uh, use it without thinking like too hard about Mm -hmm. like the ins and outs of how the tool is. It just kind of, it just works. It's such a great point because there's a lot of transferable kind of component to this, right? So even you're jumping in, like I know this is where I can add my voice or adding voice isn't a component of this or I should be able to add more text to this, right? So they have that sort of transferable skill that's not tool dependent. Right? as they're even jumping from the Spark tools to something else, or even between the Spark tools, between video and post and page, right? And then there's also the time mm-hmm. factor to consider, right? A big part, and it's a super valid concern, right, is that I don't have time to do this. I don't have time for this new thing. I can barely do all the other things, right? And we all know how that feels, and yeah. we all know that when we make a case for something, we want to acknowledge that when we're talking to teachers who have very clear constraints on what can happen, right, with the minutes in the day. And so this is a tool where you could dive really deep. I've spent time at summer camps this past summer, actually, with six, seven, and eight-year-olds who are jumping into Spark Post and making storyboards to mm. tell their own story about cool. So cool. imaginary animals and all their adventures. Nice. And then high school students who were spending a couple days, right, creating a video product, embedding it into a web page, making something that's more dynamic. So very scalable for the one-day We have 20 minutes allocated for this activity. We see value in it, and here's where it's going to fit in. Or something that's a little bit more rich in terms of the time commitment and then the actual product that's produced. So you're busy all the time. Mm -hmm. It's wild. And not only are you busy, (laughs) you have, I mean, I I told this to Mike the first time we were going to have you on the show. First of all, when I saw your name, as far as that we had booked you as a guest, I was super excited because... I had used your resources for such a long time. And there's a lot of teachers out there that listen to this or whatever it might be that they are they feel isolated. They don't have an instructional coach. They live in a rural place like I did with it was only like 40 teachers total in the entire district. Mm-hmm. And so we need that people that I mean so grateful to have people like you to be able yeah. to share those resources on your blogs. You have a podcast also mm-hmm. too where you're actually sharing these amazing like let's just call them tips as far as how to be able to use these things and then use them in a, like a timely manner so you you let's say you can't attend a conference like this mm-hmm. you're able to share those things which we greatly appreciate i mean i said that to mike as far as having you on i was like oh my gosh this is amazing um and i'm sure there's a lot of teachers like that that are hit, going onto your website and then also listening to you as far as on your podcast too so share about your yeah. your your website and your podcast too. Yeah, so I come from a similar type of background, although in a very big district, right? A very 
lots and lots of people, or you can feel isolated pretty easily when you're starting something new, you're not sure where to go. And that's really how a lot of my work started with the feeling this need or being asked to in many cases, right, to share things and just be more strategic about that. So my big goal is to help, you know, make ed tech easier for teachers, right? How can I make this so it's bite-sized, you know this is gonna work, that's not for me, on to the next thing, right? Whatever it is. And so my blog, classtechtips.com, has been going strong now since 2012 already, which seems pretty wild, right? As we're in the 20s now. And so classtechtips.com, I designed as a place to showcase strategies, showcase new resources. Sometimes I'll partner with folks too to show off something special that they're working on. And it's also now where I host my podcast. So the Easy EdTech podcast, I've designed to be under 20 minutes once a week. It goes out Tuesday mornings. It's been just me. I did a bonus interview episode last year. I'm hoping to do a couple more this year. Uh, But it's just me sharing something that's a strategy that I go through, say, here's some implementation tips. Here's some things to think about. I'll go into it. I'll share some stories from my own classroom as a teacher or classrooms I spend time in now. And then I ended up with four quick tips on how to make it easy, right? Mm. Let's just now even bring it down even further in these last few seconds, right? One, two, three, four. Now go run with it. Mm -hmm. And so the podcast has been great. It's almost a year already, which has been really fun. And that, in addition to my membership site, the Easy Ed Tech Club, as well as the blog and the Instagram sharing and all those other things have been just a lot of fun and really wonderful to connect with folks from really all over the world. Yes. Thank you, Monica Burns, for joining us. This was great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. Want to support on education? Visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash oneducation. There, you can get access to full videos of the podcast and so much more. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or a review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. It helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening, stay awesome, and see you soon.